Hazrat Hashem, this is Parashat Korach 5779. After I recorded the quick idea on Nemesis, uh, I felt like I wanted to round it out with a discussion of Tefillin that we wrapped on our arms and head, as well as the Sefer Torah, the Torah scroll. The Torah, the Tefillin, and the, and the Mezuzah are all together clearly related in that they are all mitzvot that involve writing verses on parchment and that the verses must be written in very specific ways. So after discussing the tefillin and the Torah scroll, we can tie it also into the mezuzah. So let's talk about tefillin. So there's a beautiful commentary brought in the Ravad on Sefer Yitzirah. Sefer Yitzirah being that oldest written tradition in Kabbalah of manifestation, how the Creator manifests reality through letters, speech where the idea of speech is the idea of thoughts that congeal into packaged information that can be shared where the thoughts get sifted out into separate words that convey meaning and that uh, encapsulate crystallized thought and whilst severely reducing the breadth and scope of where thought can reach, at the same time create a tremendous concentration of information that can be shared. So clearly these three mitzvot, which are very strong on the idea of writing certain verses, certain words, are very tied to this idea of manifestation. We discussed the mezuzah, now a little on the tefillin, the Ravad on Sefer Yitzira. He's saying that when you look, and I haven't seen this quote in a while, but it's something like this, that when you look at the tefillin, specifically the tefillin worn on the head, there's the tefillin worn on the arm and the tefillin worn on the head. But when you look at the tefillin worn on the head, you see two letter shins on the right, or on one of the sides of the head to fill in that leather box, you'll see a three-pronged shin, and on the other side, you'll see a four-pronged shin. And there he says, and the way that the shin is appearing, it's appearing as like bulging out from the box. Like there's the box, the leather box, and then you have the shin, the shapes of the shin on either side protruding forth <coughs> in their shapes, like bulging out, as opposed to being carved in, in a depressed space, rather they are bulging out in a concave pushing out. This image, says the Ravad, is the image of 
I think he's of the idea of a letter of letters that are chaining out from a spiritual source until they finally impress themselves and imprint themselves in the idea of leather in the idea of in the idea of an animal hide which represents now at this point I'm bringing in a little bit of my own connections but the idea of animal hide represents human flesh that we in our flesh are wearing a garment called the body that's what our flesh is it's just a garment for our soul and right now after the sin of the tree of knowledge it's called mishcha dechivia the snake skin that we're covered right now in a layer a thick layer of flesh that's really foreign to us and there are idea after idea of how Moses he was the one who in history totally transformed his flesh until it became all light that the power of his soul was so strong that it so strongly shone back out forth from the inner source of his soul that was coming from a light that was beyond but that was settling in the body so that settling of the light of his soul was so strong and powerful that it pushed completely through the thick screen of the flesh of his body and it transformed that flesh into light itself such that he had to wear a mask after the people did the sin of the golden calf which was another version of the sin of the tree of knowledge but obviously he wasn't involved in that he was up talking to Hashem so he became like having the light garments of his body rather than the flesh garments and so people couldn't look straight at his face he had to put on a mask so what the Ravad says is that the shin bulging forth from the tefillin is representing that the idea of holy letters the idea of holy forms of energy where a letter is like a vessel or a container where the 22 basic letters plus the five end letters. These are the basic instruments of divine information that carve their impression on items, on the idea of flesh, on the idea of animal hide, and they are bulging forth from within in the image of the shin on the head to fill in, bulging forth from the leather box now I don't remember if the Ravad says this but what makes sense to me is that in this mitzvah of tefillin as well as in the mitzvah of mezuzah and to an extent the mitzvah of the Torah scroll you have certainly in the mezuzah and certainly in the tefillin you have that there's this interesting experience where you must place certain verses written on parchment inside of the container for sure with the Sefer Torah also with the Torah scroll because it must be placed in the ark so in all of these mitzvot you have texts that must be written on parchment placed inside of containers and then 
these containers must be placed in certain locations. With the mezuzah, the mezuzah must be placed affixed the doorways, the entranceways, the gates. Similarly, when we place the tefillin on our head and our arm, we are also placing these parchments of text contained in their leather containers. We're placing them on also on the openings. Here, though, in the openings of our body, the head tefillin is worn at the part of the skull that, by tradition, and you know we know this from science, that there's this opening at the top of the head. In the Eastern traditions, it's the location of the crown chakra, I'm pretty sure, that there's this open part of the skull, which eventually closes up, but obviously still retains its identity as an opening or a portal between the top of the skull and that energy which is above and surrounds the person called the level of the crown. Just, again, fascinating that both in the Torah tradition, this energy field is called Keter, which is crown. And in the Eastern traditions, the very, it's given the very same appellation of the crown chakra. And this is where we place the head to fill in in the area of the crown energy which again is an image of placing text at an opening. In this case, the opening of our skull to that light which surrounds us, similar to the placing of the mezuzah at the openings of the gates of our house. And the arm to fill in is placed on the weaker arm opposite the heart So it's placed like on the bicep so that when the arms lay to the two sides of the body, the arm to fill in then is across from the heart. And there's a tradition also that at the bottom of the heart, where the hand to fill in, the arm to fill in, is going to be located opposite the heart. It's opposite the heart really in the lower part of the heart where there's this scientific existence as well as spiritual tradition of an opening at the bottom of the heart which Kabbalistically is representing that portal between the upper part of the body that mainly is the location of thoughts and emotions and the lower part of the body which is mainly the location of manifesting the physical body through digestion as well as manifesting the physical body into offspring through conceiving other children as well as as well as manifesting the body into the world to the idea of the feet and legs taking a person where they need to go manifesting them in different places so again we're placing the the tefillin the hand tefillin at that lower portal as well. So every day when we put on tefillin, we're placing the head tefillin at that portal between what's beyond us, surrounding our heads, entering into our heads to say that we want a connection portal between the spirituality beyond, that it should reside within our minds and our hearts. And then we place another arm tefillin at 
the location of the opening of the heart that we say that all of that spirituality that poured into us from the head to fillin should then flow out from us in the location of the arm to fillin and the aspect of all the thoughts and the emotions from the upper half of our body flowing forth through the lower half of our body. So why then is there this similarity of form of mezuzah to fill in of this idea of placing text that is inside of a uh, container at certain openings, at certain portals? And what does that have to do with what we discussed about specifically the head to fill in the shin that the Ravad tells us is the image of the holy Hebrew letters finally coming out and bulging out and carving their impression on a lower level. So there's a tradition, I've mentioned it before, from the Tikkuni Zohar that says that we know that the universe is existing in four basic stages of creation. Atzilut, Bria, Yitzira, Asiya where the world of Atzilut represents perfect godliness, perfect godly code that is totally united with Hashem and is a revelation of His creative powers as they're totally within the mind of God, so to speak. Totally within the intentions, what we can understand as something like intentions, thoughts, plans within the mind of the architectural creator who has a plan for every item and, and an intended energy form that will be impressed upon every lower item to shape it, put it into shape, to whip it into shape, to congeal it ultimately into its intended final result, even though in the lower worlds everything is still becoming. As we quoted the Midrash recently, Hu makoma shal olam ve'ena olam makoma he is the place of the world, but the world is not his place. Which, on a more simple level, just basically means that it's not like you have the world and then God is found in the world as if the two were independent identities. Rather, we say that all of space is contained within Hashem, that he is the place of the world, that the idea of space and time itself exists within the powers of the Creator. But on a deeper level, or on a different level, or more interpretive level, I think you can say the same Midrash in the way of saying that He is the place of the world. That means He is really the one that resides in true space. He is really the one that resides in a solid space of intended expression. That if we think of a structure and, a, and then we think of a blueprint that's going to build that structure, so we have to understand that in, divine, in the divine sense, it's the blueprint that is the intended signals that are the intended structures at the level of thought which are 
being used to build the world still, that the world is still under construction, we have to understand that that blueprint is more, is way more of a solid space, is way more of a complete, is a categorically complete solid space and that the building site, the, the construction site, which is the world that we know that is being shaped by that blueprint is not space yet. It has not become truly the space that it is meant to be. The space that it is meant to be is that which is residing in that holy blueprint called the Torah, which is identified with the world of Atzilut, that top world. So what it means that he is the place of the world, it means that he resides in the true place. He resides in the true location, that fixed, unwavering location of what will be, which is the blueprint of our, of our reality. That's really his main abode, his main space. But the world is not his place, to me, means that this world in its wavering, stormy nature, its constant flux, is not really anywhere yet. It's still becoming space. It's still unfolding and transforming and evolving to finally match up with what that blueprint intended for it. And of course, that blueprint contains the journey of the unfolding and the evolution and not just the final result but it contains that journey and that evolution from a place of perfection from a place of a united plan versus down here as we experience the evolution to us it looks often like things are sputtering and stopping and breaking but okay that's the top world the world of the blueprint on Silud. then the next world down is Bria it's where the blueprint first comes in to manifest something in the world but from a place of still yet being very ethereal and just as a note and God willing, I'll go back and explore this because I think I know the next major series I want to do. Uh, it's called Mishnah is a Safer. It came out seven years ago. Mishnah Chabad, a fantastic summary of the Kabbalistic universe through the teachings of Chabad, which are extremely user-friendly compared to most other systems yet also extremely thorough and comprehensive so it's really the best I think for the next move here but they said that Rabbi Moshe, Moshe Miller in his book there he was saying that when we spoke a few uh, recordings ago quoting the Ramban on Tohu Vavohu, um, on that ethereal, that first ethereal material that was created, which the creator then never 
is creating anything after that ultimate first material of heaven and earth. He's just forming forms and, and making existences come out of that ether. So Rabbi Moshe Miller said, based on tradition, that that is the world of Bria, which I was really appreciating he said that. So the world of Bria, then this world below the blueprint world of Atsilut, this world of Bria then is the ultimate uh, space of all the construction materials of creation that yet are always residing and beginning in a space of ethereal possibility. In the two worlds below this world, Yitzira and Asiya is then simply that which comes out as pure form moment to moment, that which is coming out of the ethereal space of possibility from moment to moment in its aspect of pure form is going to be the world of Yitzira. And this is tremendously oversimplified just for the sake of time. And then that which is finally congealing forth from that world of pure form of, of Yitzira to sort of be like the fruit at the end of the branches of existence where we had the blueprint of Atsilut. One of those facets of the blueprint, which this blueprint is so enormous in its detail that it, it encompasses every moment that would ever be possible with every object which would ever be possible, every object which, which is currently coming out and which would ultimately ever come out as like little fruits on the branches of the spiritual universe. That's what every object is. So that blueprint of Atsila is containing the map or the blueprint of the evolution of all of those objects which would which are currently coming out as little fruits and which would ever come out as little fruits plus containing the plan for how all the growths of these so-called fruits would finally develop into their intended finality so we have that blueprint in Atsilu it impresses itself on the ethereal zone of Bria, which is the ethereal space of like the storehouse or the construction site of all possible materials existing in a created realm. And Atzilut, the Hashem, from that realm of Atzilut is impinging some aspect of his blueprint plan, impinging it into the ethereal space of Bria through a thick screen that turns the spirit, the pure spiritual input of, of Atsilu and is already making it come out through the lower worlds of creation in, the, in an idea of a created realm so that it doesn't just express as pure godly energy. This idea of that screen is something God willing will look at in that book, Mishnah Chabad, and that we've talked about before a little bit in the earliest recordings but it's the idea of this screen, which already makes it possible that by the end of the process of the signal from Atsilu, impinging into the ethereal zone of Bria, 
pushing forth a form in Yitzira, finally congealing as like a fruit or a solid item in Asiya, such that what comes out ultimately in Asiya, these fruits that come out ultimately in what is called the world of action, which the very outer crust or layer of the world of action, that's only where we finally have something solid and physical but that even within the zone of the world of Asiya, that lowest world, it's still totally spiritual compared to the physicality that we experience because there are infinite worlds within Asiya itself. But the point just being that it's only because of this screen called the Parsa or the Masach, really it's called the Masach. It's in the Torah, being referred to in the structure of the Mishkan, the, temp- the tabernacle, and then later in the temple as that curtain that separates the Holy of Holies with the Ark and the Torah scroll. That curtain that separates the Ark and with the Torah from the rest of the temple or from the rest of the tabernacle. It's because of that curtain, it's because of that screen that you can have the idea of the Torah scroll in the Holy of Holies, which is representing the world of Atzilut, representing that world of the blueprint, where the Torah is really the blueprint of creation, is actually all the intended divine forms and divine signals which would manifest themselves in our world, which would be holy spiritual forms, which would be all of those holy spiritual forms and letters which would eventually bulge out as those products in Asiya, in the worlds of action, as those fruits, as those leather shins bulging out from the leather box of the tefillin scroll. That's really the image of the Torah scroll in the Holy of Holies and the Ark. And so there's a beautiful thing now Getting back to our topic of the Torah scroll, the tefillin, and the mezuzah, that when we put tefillin on these portals of our body, at the opening of the head and the opening of the heart, as well as when we put the mezuzah at the openings of our house, what's really going on, and this speaks very deeply to me, and I'm almost positive I saw this hinted to, in the different laws of Torah scroll, tefillin, and mezuzah, what's really going on is that the Torah scroll, that represents like the ultimate central location of the idea of create of letters with their creative capacity to create all realities, that living blueprint of letters, of forms of energy, which are those things pushing out from the world of the blueprint, pushing out from the world of Atzilut, pushing through into ether, then pushing out as forms in Yitzira, finally pushing out as items with their form in Asiya, such that when you look at any object in the world, any one of these fruits hanging on the branches of the universe, what you're really looking at in the color, the shape, the behavior, the character of any of these items or events 
<clears throat> is you are actually looking at some amazing pattern of letters, of divine letters, which are swarming together and congealing together in their presentation to you. And if you had the eyes of a Kabbalist, if we had the eyes of a Kabbalist, we'd see in all color, in all shape, in all behavior, in all existence, we'd see a bunch of code. We'd see a bunch of signals of code, of letters coming from the Creator to us as like a message where He's speaking that particular experience, that particular item. He's speaking it out in front of us, communicating with us through that item. I was just watching The Matrix, <laughs> you know. So it's like that kind of. Yeah. That it's an inspired movie. Baruch Hashem, that's a good one. Uh, for the most part. Ask your parents permission to watch that. That's what my English teacher used to say. <laughs> He'd say, it's rated R, ask for your parents permission. You know. That's a whole funny thing, like, what's appropriate? You know, what... I'm Balshuva, like I, I grew up totally secular basically. Not totally, but I grew up very secular compared to the way I act now. Like I'm trying to always be doing the mitzvot. Like I'm always, even when I'm working, even when I'm just hanging out, I'm trying to think, well, like, what's the godliness in this situation? I mean, because that's why I'm so uh, obsessed with metaphysical stuff as far as Torah is concerned, because that's how you can experience God in everything. I mean, when you can, for me, on an extremely basic level, my understanding is an extremely basic level compared to what it really is. But when you even start to explore these things on an extremely basic level, you're contacting the Creator every second. You don't just have to be studying some Jewish law or praying, you can just be connecting the, to the Creator just through every experience. Like, okay, because it's a mitzvah. One of the 613 mitzvot, it's brought, is that it's a mitzvah to meditate on the fact that there is really only God and His will in all of the heavenly levels and in all of the earthly existences, which means that it's one of the 613 commandments to meditate on how the idea of the supernal Torah, that upper blueprint, that upper code of all intended realities is eventually expressing itself and congealing in the form of everything that I see and experience and contact on earth. That's one of the 613 commandments. So at the very least, we need to work a little bit on understanding that, or at least just believing that, in the way that I'm trying to describe it. But anyway, getting back to Torah scroll, tefillin, and mezuzah, the image is that the Torah scroll in the Holy of Holies, or today, when we don't have a temple, the Torah scroll in the Ark of a community synagogue, which, by the way, in Halacha, there's a fascinating discussion that, like, in a way, nobody is allowed to own that Torah scroll, it says in the, in the Jewish law. That Torah scroll that's in the community synagogue, in the Ark, it's 
ownerless, no one owns it, meaning it's from beyond. That Torah scroll is belonging to heaven. And there are practical Jewish law, like, especially, you know, we don't understand, but even when we were exiled, we were still pretty much like independent in our our sovereignty. We governed ourselves, even though it was often in ghettos. And we had to pay steep taxes to societies, etc., that were hosting us. Sometimes friendly, sometimes not. But like, we took ourselves to our own courts. You know, just like that's really what Jewish law always was and was intended to be. When we had our own sovereign country in the land of Israel with the temple as the spiritual legal center of our life, this being the idea of true divine justice, where the idea of separation of religion and state was intentionally not occurring because it wasn't a religion, it was a divine legal code which was right which was really like the will of the creator for how to order a perfect society such that, you know, I mean, just for example, it it really was designed to create a utopia where every seven years the earth went fallow, all property became ownerless, everybody reset, all loans were forgiven. Every 50th year, all slaves must be, all servants, they were more like servants, which... Honestly, people who are in an employee situation where they are shackled down to pay tremendous taxes to a government are in a servant situation where you must work for your uh, income and you must work for this system. So we're like worse than that. It's just what it is, but whatever. So the Torah is, is the law. For like everything with the Sanhedrin with uh, the court the legislator legislative uh, body as the rabbis as the rabbis were the legal ones they were the legal experts that's it you know this wasn't just some game and it's not just a game I mean but we've we slowly lost more and more our own sovereignty to use the Torah as our code of governing ourselves. Um, And all aspects of law and uh, legal issues. Such that, you know, when we had the temple, the Sanhedrin, they sat in a specific location in the temple to say that the temple wasn't just the source of divine connection, but it was the source of law. With that code of law, those letters, that code, you know, that code of letters like the matrix, that code of law was also emanating forth from the central location of the temple to manifest and congeal in the land of Israel as an perfectly ordered society. So, so to, even after exile, when you had the idea of the Torah scroll sitting in the ark in the, in, the, in the synagogue, which was like the center of communal life, and this was especially prominent when uh, we still governed ourselves mostly, even in our host lands in exile. So the Torah was halakhically ownerless, 
Like a person couldn't, I can't remember exactly the uh, um, case that's discussed about this in the Talmud, but, but the Torah scroll was ownerless because it says the Torah scroll is only existing to be heard. It's, it's owned by heaven. It's heaven's document. It's heaven's document that is ownerless legally. Nobody can have a piece of ownership in it which nests itself and rests itself in the center of a Jewish community to govern all aspects and facets of that Jewish community, especially when they largely still retain sovereignty even in their host nations. But the image then is that you still have the concept of the Torah scroll, the the main Torah scroll that's sitting in the Holy of Holies in Jerusalem in the ultimate center location. You then have these shuls, these synagogues all over the world, which they're called a mikdash ma'at, a miniature temple. And so already you see this image of like an internet of Torah scrolls where the central Torah scroll in the center of the world in Jerusalem is that central location where the code of reality in the form of the Torah scroll is coming down. That, like in an internet connectivity type of image, is in connecting out to connect and bind together all the Torah scrolls and all the semi-sovereign communities and the exiled communities all over the world. Those particular Torah scrolls scattered all over the world in those community synagogues scattered all over the world, those are hooked up in an internet connectivity to, fascinatingly, the tefillin worn by each Jewish male in those openings of the portals of their head and heart, and also connecting to all the openings of all the homes where the, the female is the Akarita Bayit, the, really the main one that is in the home traditionally and in nature, where those portals to the openings and exits of the home are also being linked up in an internet connectivity to all these Torah scrolls and to all these to fill in scrolls so that there's now a very amazing image. I almost said an insane image, now I'm gonna say it. <laughs> but this really interesting image where what you see now is there's this clear pattern where again, with Torah scroll, to fill in scroll, and mezuzah scroll, you have this image of text contained inside of these containers placed on the openings of portals, which are all interconnected with each other, which is basically saying, that the Torah and the code, the, this idea of letters written on parchment, which itself is an idea of taking pure white light of parchment, the idea of pure space of possibility, of like absolute infinite mercy of white light, which tears itself down into a specific world, a specific plan for a world, and the image of black letters written on the parchment, that all of these parchments and all of these verses written on parchment 
from the Torah scrolls to the Tefillin scrolls to the Mezuzah scrolls are linked together in some type of internet connection, so to speak, where at every point of a portal, of an opening, heaven opening up and into earth in the form of the Torah scrolls in the temple, reaching out and interconnecting with all the Torah scrolls in the different communities, you have a portal opening up from heaven into earth in the form of the Torah, in the form of those laws, of those codes that emanate forth, radiate forth from the Torah scrolls in those central locations to congeal and manifest in the ordered society of Jewish sovereign society or Israelite sovereign society. That aspect of a portal of congealment at the center of a community is spreading out and linking up in an internet connectivity type of behavior with each Jewish male, Israelite male, who's wearing his tefillin straps, saying that that same type of governance at the entrance portal between heaven and earth in the form of the Torah scroll is now linking up and interconnecting with how each individual is governing his portal openings, opening coming in from beyond the surrounding light beyond, so that the portal opening between his surrounding light, called the Ormakif, his surrounding light of higher awareness, that that portal between his higher awareness and what goes on in his head, that should also be linked up with the general nature of how the portal of heaven is in a communal way entering into the space of the earth through the Torah scroll in the, te- in the center of the temple and in the center of the community, in the center of the synagogue. That idea of a portal opening up in a communal level is then connected with the idea of a portal opening up in an individual level And this is also then interconnected with the idea of portals opening up, creating a beautifully manifested home that the entire home should be be bathed with the radiation and and, uh, effusion of light of these codes of the Torah with their life-giving wisdom, with, with these signals and codes of creating peace in the home as well, creating peace within the individual uh, sort of male leader of the home, and then creating peace, spreading forth peace and light of clarity of order with the idea of code. It should then finally radiate out and spread out into each home. And that portal of opening and manifestation signified by the mezuzah at the openings, the portals of the home, manifesting, congealing a beautiful home life as well. So God willing, we should see the intense spirituality of our everyday halachot, and we should have a great day.